So this is uh, Explain It for uh, this Sunday, Trinity 19, and uh, we'll be looking at Matthew uh, chapter 9, the Gospel, for our time together. So we'll begin with this idea of, again, who is our, our enemy and how do we fight? So uh, the scriptures speak of this enemy as uh, being the devil and the world and our own sinful flesh. And uh, last week in uh, the lessons, we talked about how the target of uh, this enemy is uh, three things. And again, this goes back to 1 Corinthians 13. You've, you've heard these. These three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So the target of this, uh, uh, of the enemies that we face are our faith in God and uh, our hope, as well as then very practically the love for the neighbor. And uh, I was reading in the, the scriptures this week that it says, in the end of time, uh, the love will grow cold for one another. And so this is devil's work, right? Attacking the substance of what uh, we believe, which is faith in God and God's word. Uh, also the hope that we have, uh, not in circumstances physically, but the hope uh, that is in Christ Jesus. And very practically, the love, the love that we are to have for one another. So then what are the weapons? Well, the weapons we have are the name of God, his name placed upon us. And so we're brought out of darkness, brought out of one family, the devil's family, and brought into another family, the family of the triune God, so that that triune God's name is placed upon us, and the devil cannot stand to be reminded that we have been, and these are biblical words, purchased and redeemed and um, bought. And we've bought, been brought out of darkness into the light, and this name is upon us to remind us of who, uh, who is the one who has uh, purchased us and redeemed us. Well, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Other weapons are the work of God in Christ and also the word of God. And so uh, the psalm, uh, Psalm 46, verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. And so we see these enemies, and it's very vivid in Psalm 46. There's this battlefield, and uh, the voice from the battle, battlefield says, Stop, be still, and know that I am God. I will fight for you. Uh, I will be your your fortress, your God is with you. And so uh, we have this one, as the, the, the hymn says, you know, the valiant one, and uh, he fights, uh, he fights for us. Now, it's really interesting that the Psalm 46 goes along with the gospel lesson today because it speaks of a paralytic, a paralytic. So Matthew chapter 9 says, Jesus stepped into a boat and he crossed over and came to his own town, and some men brought to him a paralytic lying on a mat. So there is a spirituality to this idea of being still and know that I am God, because our mind needs to be stilled, our emotions need to be quieted and, and stilled. But uh, in a very real sense, there is this man, a paralytic, who has been forced to be still. He can't do anything. He can't move to get himself uh, to, to, to Christ. But he has good friends. And the parallel uh, accounts of this, Mark chapter 2 and Luke chapter 5, speak of these friends carrying uh, him to Jesus. 
and uh, they get him to the place where Jesus is. The crowd is there, and they can't get near uh, to Jesus. And so uh, they don't. That doesn't stop them. They go up onto the roof and they tear the roof apart and they lower their friend right at the feet of of Jesus. And so this is really what uh, intercession is. We're called to be priests, right, for others to take those who can't get themselves to Christ and to place them at the feet of Christ. Uh, we can't affect a change for them. We can't heal them, uh, but we can bring them to, to the feet of Christ. And there, there's, a, there's this poor man. He is forced to be still by his, his malady, uh, as we are forced to be still in our, our sinfulness, and to rely uh, 100% totally on the work of God. So, in a very real sense, you know, there is this picture here of us being still, along with the paralytic, vulnerable, helpless, uh, being brought to the feet of Christ, and there knowing that, uh, that the one that we're in front of is God himself. So, when Jesus, the text says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're interceding for someone, and they know that you're interceding for them, and if Jesus were to stand in front of them, and the first thing Jesus, you know, were to say to them, Take heart, your sins are forgiven, you might be thinking, well, you know, um, there are these other issues, these, you know, physical issues that we've been praying for, and, and the first thing you say to me is, Your sins are forgiven. Um, maybe that should be the secondary thing. I was, I was hoping that maybe you would say, get up and walk or, or be healed. Uh, but Jesus begins with the forgiveness of sins. So faith, uh, you know, first of all, clings to the person and work of Jesus. And the person of work of Jesus in this priority deals first with the cause of the disease, and then he heals and he deals with the disease in this context. So if we kind of work it backwards here, why why is the man paralyzed? Why are loved ones you know uh, that we know in the hospital or struggling? Uh, why is there a sickness? Why is there cancer? Why is there disturbances within you know our emotion and our minds are uneasy? Where does that all go back to? What's the cause? And as we've often spoken of, um, the wage of sin is death. So. We got to first deal with the cause of all of these things, which is the forgiveness of sins. In fact, this is why Jesus takes up our infirmities and carries our sorrows. And this is why he dies, because he bears the, the wage of sin. So he deals first with the cause. Uh, your sins are forgiven. And then he deals so graciously with the disease. And you see this in the Psalms, one of the Psalms that uh, has become somewhat of a, a favorite of mine. Psalm 103 says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. And if you read Psalm 103, the benefits begin with the forgiveness of sins. So praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit, crowns you with love and compassion, satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So you, you see, see it there uh, progressively, you know, Jesus dealing with the root. He is the good physician, isn't he? Uh, the one who comes to, uh, uh, to heal the sick. And uh, so, like a good doctor, he makes the diagnosis and says, let's, let's go to the root of all these things, which is 
uh, the sin that abides in us in this world, the depravity that is there, the corruption of this beautiful image of God. Let's deal with that. And so he says, you know, son, your sins are forgiven. And then he says, let's deal with the other things as well. And so that's why in boldness we come before before Christ um, and ask him for all good gifts. So as we often say, when you have the forgiveness of sins, you really, you know, really and literally have, have everything. So the text continues, Matthew 9. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, well, this fellow is blaspheming. So what's at the root of this? Well, in the Old Testament, uh, in Isaiah chapter 43, the very power and authority to forgive sins always was attributed to God. So Isaiah 43 says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. So this power to forgive sins, this authority to forgive sins, if, if someone says your sins are forgiven, well, the teachers of the law immediately say he's blaspheming, he's claiming to be God. Well, that's exactly what Jesus, what Jesus is claiming to be. In fact, you ever you even hear him from the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they they do. So knowing their thoughts in Matthew 9, Jesus says to them, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And then he said to the paralytic, get up, take your mat and go home. So how gracious Christ is. He does both here, doesn't he? And one proves the other, you know, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk. Well, from the teachers of the law perspective, both are um, out of bounds, really impossible. Um, they accuse him of blaspheming, but here this man is paralyzed. So who could, who could heal him? So Christ does both. He says, your sins are forgiven. And then he says, get up, take your mat and, and go home. So there is this um, this sense that when we fight these enemies of the of the devil and the world and our sinful flesh, there is a a, a God turning it around on the devil. Um, there is a a re uh, a recreating of something that has been so corrupted, something so beautiful in in the creation that has been corrupted by sin. God says, "I want to recreate it." Uh, the other words are, I want to redeem it, to, to buy it back. I want to restore it. Uh, I want to resurrect it. It was dead. I want to breathe life into it. So in Matthew 9, the man gets up and he goes home. And when the crowd sees this, they're filled with awe and they praise God who had given such authority to, to men, uh, recognizing that here in the flesh, uh, a man, God had uh, incarnate himself, had taken on human flesh, and is now dwelling among his people and doing all of these uh, beautiful gifts, recreating, restoring, redeeming, uh, resurrecting, uh, reclaiming. And they note this, and they're filled with awe, and they praise God. Now, we have this gift of salvation give, given to us. And uh, there's two words I want to, to kind of focus in on. 
which is this idea of how is this salvation then accomplished? How does God recreate? How does he redeem? How does he resurrect? Uh, so, you know, where does that flow from? How does he accomplish it? How does he deal with the sickness and the illness and the cause? Uh, and then, you know, how is it applied? So uh, the scripture is very clear that salvation has been accomplished in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Death and resurrection of Jesus. So did the Father die for you? No. Did the Spirit die for you? No. The Son of God who took on human flesh, who became one of us, who took sin upon himself, who bore our weaknesses and our, our infirmities, and the ultimate, um, bearing uh, it so that he experiences death itself and pays the wage and rises. So he says, it is finished. Uh, it's been accomplished. But now, how is, this, how is this accomplished work of Jesus for salvation, the forgiveness of sins, how is that delivered and given to us? How is it distributed? How is it offered? How is it, uh, yes, use this word, applied? So salvation is accomplished, but how is it applied? Well, these wonderful gifts that we have within the church, uh, Christ gives to us baptism. So when, remember when we said that, you know, this name of God, the, the devil cannot stand? Well, in baptism, this name of God is placed upon us. I baptize you, Paul, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And there... The forgiveness of sins, the finished work of Jesus is given to us. So our Lord says, baptize. It's his idea. Do this. This is the way we deal with the, the malady, the sinfulness, the, the cleansing, the, the recreating happens in this way. The Lord's Supper. When you come to the Lord's Supper and you, you hear these words and you receive the bread and the wine, which is the body and blood of Christ, take eat, Paul, take drink the body of Christ, the blood of Christ, uh, broken for you, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. There, salvation is applied to us. So where do we go look for the forgiveness of sins? Well, in baptism, in the Lord's Supper, we also receive it in the keys, the, the declaration of the forgiveness of sins, the absolution, one who stands in the place of Christ and by his command and says, you know, your sins are, your sins are forgiven. Now, uh, Luther understood this beautifully in his meaning to the second article of the creed. So again, how is salvation accomplished? How is salvation applied? So here it is. The second article of the creed says, I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord. And so what has he done? Well, Luther continues, and he says, well, he's redeemed me, a lost, condemned creature, purchased and won me from all sins, from death, from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood, with his innocent suffering and death. So you see it there, the cosmic battle, right? Uh, what has he done? He's redeemed me. Who am I? Lost and condemned. What has he done? Purchased and won me. From who? From death and the power of the devil. How? Not with money, but with his holy precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. For what purpose? Well, that I might be his, that I may be his own, live under him in his kingdom, serve him 
in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he has risen from the dead, lives, reigns to all eternity. And then the wonderful ending to it, which is, this is most certainly true. So the devil is always lying. Um, but we speak back to the devil, God's word, who does not lie. And we say, well, this is most certainly true. So this is, you know, salvation accomplished. Now, how is it applied? Well, that's the meaning to the third article of the creed, the work of the Holy Spirit. And Luther says there, well, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. So just insert there the story of the paralytic. You're paralyzed. You physically cannot get yourself to Christ. I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. But Christ comes to us. The Holy Spirit gives us then the gifts of Christ. How? Through the gospel. Luther says, the Holy Spirit's called me by the gospel. He's enlightened me with his gifts. He's sanctified and he kept me in the true faith. So where does he do all this? He says, well, in the same way, he calls and he gathers and he enlightens and he sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ and the one true faith. And in this Christian church, he gives the medicine, doesn't he? He daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. He deals with the root illness, the root cause. Richly, daily forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. And on the last day, he will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. In other words, this is all heading somewhere. You know, this, what we're experiencing in this world is not the end of it. This is, we are moving each day closer. We are one day closer today than yesterday. And if we wake up tomorrow and the Lord has not reappeared, he is moving it towards the consummation of all things where he will rule in uh, such a perfect and beautiful way. No more sin, sorrow, pain, suffering, death. He will raise up me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. And then it ends this way again. Is it true? Are you sure it's true? Did God really say it's true? All these voices from the evil one. And we respond by saying, this is most certainly true. So again, salvation accomplished and salvation applied. So without any doubt, we can say, yes, it is finished. All has been paid for. Uh, we have been you know, redeemed we have been bought with a price, not with silver and gold. The medicine is there for us in Christ Jesus. Well, how is that medicine given to us? Well, it's delivered and it's distributed and it's offered and it's given and it's applied to us by the work of the Holy Spirit. And through the gospel, then, he shares with us the good news that our brother... Our brother, the Lord Jesus Christ, has come into this world and he has lived uh, such a perfect life that now he is the innocent one, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So one more, one more reminder. When we have this forgiveness of sins, what do we have? When we have the forgiveness of sins, we have, we have everything. <laughs>